Evening.O podcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Odetto Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, the no longer MIA, Adam Higgins, the Odd Dad Out. You can find me at oddadoutpodcast.com and at Odd Dad Out and all the social media places. And this is the show where I ramble and rant and empty my brain. And yeah, all of that <laughs> for your listening quote-unquote, pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've really shortened this down a lot since I haven't been keeping up with all the other elements of the show lately. Or the show lately. But, how are you? <laughs> all of that aside. Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a bit. And it's, it's, it's been a, a, a wild bit. And a lot's been going on and there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot that I'm probably not going to talk about here just for the sake of appropriateness, but how you been? <laughs> it, it's been a little crazy here. There's been a lot going on. There's been a bunch of stuff that's happened. I've done a bunch of stuff. There's some stuff coming up. And at the same time, I don't know exactly where to start or what to actually talk about. And I know there's things, like I said, that I'm really not going to get into. But I don't know where to start. Because it's been a, it's been a, about a month, I guess. I don't want to pull up the listing and see exactly what the last date of the last show was but it's been about a month and I'm you know part of the problem of me emptying my brain out every week and keeping you updated on what's going on in my brain and my head and my life and all of the things is that when I'm not here every week it's, it's kind of hard to navigate what to share and what not to share and what to catch up on and what's going on and all the things. Because again, it's just my brain. You're you're just getting a sampling of my brain. And there's also the whole like the world is a fucking mess right now and everything's going and that the world is a fucked place. And not talking about the world being a fucked place. I feel like I need to get back into, sorry, I'm, it's late. I'm sleepy. It's not, okay. I say it's late. I'm, I'm recording because I got home from work early. By me standards, it's early. For normal people, it's probably late. It's something like 1230 in the morning. That's early for me. Under normal night, I'd still be at work, but it's one of those nights where I just happen to get home early. But in recent weeks, I haven't been sleeping very well um, for a multitude of reasons, but just say I haven't been sleeping as well lately. I need to kind of get my sleep schedule and sleep routine and, and 
vibe back. And so, and I'm sure there are some of you out there who are aware of probably why, probably understand why I haven't been sleeping and where I've been for the last month. Again, I'm not so much going to get into it. I might mention it at the end. We'll see what I get to. But I've been dancing around whatever the fuck I'm going to say for the last four minutes. And so let's just jump into some shit that's going on. Some cool stuff that's happened in the last month. Um, we got solar. <laughs> and I realized that for all of my witchy uh, gardening hippiness, it's kind of surprising that I didn't already have solar on my house. Like I live in Phoenix. I, you know, I have a backyard garden, all of the things. I'm, I'm kind of a hippie in a lot of ways, but we never had solar on the house primarily because we're very practical and we don't sit there and kind of follow the hype of, oh, look at all the money. It's so good for the environment. It's not. Solar panels are a complete fucking waste. Um, you really, when you want to be real about it, um, the creation of solar panels is absolutely just a complete environmental fuck fest. It is a like garbage for the environment. <laughs> That's just fact. Just like elect the batteries for electric cars. It's like the, the mining for materials for electric car batteries does more environmental damage than every other fucking gas car on the road at any given time. But that's not the point. The point is we got solar and we did it the expensive way <laughs> because when you live in Phoenix, there are about 200 fucking solar companies. And I don't know if I've talked about this before since we moved into this house. And that's actually we're going on a almost two years now. We're very quickly coming up on that two year anniversary in this house. And I can fairly certainly tell you especially in the first year that we had somebody knocking on our door no more than once every two weeks or like no less. Like you knew it within every two weeks, somebody's going to be knocking on the door trying to sell you solar. <laughs> the only reason they stopped right now is because I now have solar. But the vast majority of these companies trying to sell you solar, I'm trying to sell you solar panels and all these systems for your house. They're trying to lease them to you. And that was always our big hang up. We're like, yeah, I'm paying $100 a month for solar that I don't own that creates liabilities and issues with my home and finding out through people in the neighborhood and other people that have had solar installed in the house that it fucks with your home value, not just your home value. It's like, it's like, hey, it is a value add for your home to have solar. It's also an issue when it comes to if you want to sell your house and you have a solar lease, because if you're leasing the solar that is attached to your house and hardwired into your home, the new owner has to, has to, has to get approved to take over the lease. Because the pro because the panels are already installed on the home, they can't just not use them. I'm, I mean, I suppose they could pay and have them removed from the home, but why would you pay to have them removed? I guess because you don't want the lease. But you know, the big hook is like, oh, you only pay a 
$100 a month for your solar lease and blah, 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 and all this stuff. It's you're saving so much money. Like, yeah. But again, if you want to sell your home down the line, whoever buys the house has to also get a, like, they have to go through the whole regular mortgage stuff and then they have to go through getting approved for the solar financing lease issue thing. And if they don't get approved, they can't buy the house. And for a lot of people and a lot of realtors, they won't touch them. A house with solar, they, they, it's so hard for them to move solar installed homes that with a lease on them that they won't touch them. It makes it very difficult. Not that we we're planning on selling the house or moving anytime soon, but it was just one of those technical hiccups that we didn't want to have to eventually deal with, you know, kind of thinking down the line and just always having that sort of thing. So we said, if we ever do solar, we're going to buy it. We want to buy a solar system. So we own the system. It's not a lease and payments we're having to make. Now, I will say we're making payments. Why? Because to put a solar system on your home, especially a home and with a six person family like we have, it's a big system. Our solar system, <laughs> solar system, um, our, the system that we had installed on our house consists of 38 solar panels. To put that into a, a scale, if you're familiar with Heather from Sunshine and Power Cuts and Just Heathers or not Just Heathers, her other podcasts, um, I think, I believe she has 16 panels and she's been running her home. Granted, she has a battery system and she has a backup diesel generator, but she has been living off grid primarily based around her solar panels. 16 and it, she went from one and has slowly upgraded over the years and gotten more batteries and all that stuff. But she has 16 panels, I believe. I have more than twice that. I also have a huge house and I live in Phoenix and I have four kids. But still, the way this works is I live, you know, my house is still attached to the grid, unlike Heather's, but I'm not using it as a backup system or an emergency system. I'm doing it kind of the old-fashioned solar way where our house produces solar power. It pumps it into the grid and we get credit from the electric company for what we produce. So every month, you know, we basically, we're still taking power from the grid. You know, we've got basically, we'll now have, and I say we will because I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, but we'll basically have two uh, electric meters on the house. One for output, how much the solar system generates, and one for input for how much power we're using. And, you know, balanced out. And we get the, at the end of the month, when the electric bill comes, it'll show how much we used and how much we made. And we'll get a credit for how much we made. And rather because electric companies and you know businesses don't like writing checks basically it'll just mean we'll have credit on our account and at the end of the year if we haven't used all of our back credit then they write us a happy check and that'll be nice now again i said we're making payments on the solar system because again 38 panels our system on our house 
even after discounts, is something like (laughs) $35,000. So we're paying approximately $150 a month. We actually have a, a, like, first year, we have a really good finance plan on it. We don't make a payment for the first year, stuff like that. No, you know, no payments, no interest for 12 months, blah, 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 whatever. But we have a big ass system on our house. The only thing right now, like I said, we'll have two meters because right now I'm waiting on the electric company to come out and do their final inspection and to install our fucking meter so that we can actually turn on our solar system. Because right now I can't even flip the switches because it's not, you know, basic, you know, system of here's how electricity works and you have to have a closed circuit in order for electricity to travel from here to here to here. The meter completes the circuit. (laughs) So I can't even turn on my solar panel system until they put that meter in there to close the circuit. Dicks. So they need to get the fuck over here. And I'm waiting to hear back from the solar company. I was like, hey, um, when are they going to finish this up and, and so we can get it switched on? Because it's been almost a month. Really. It has been like three and a half weeks since the shit was installed. And I'm waiting on the electric company to come out and and finalize this so we can flip the big switches because I got, you know, big switches out there that I need to flip to turn on the solar. And that's, you know, we're getting into late September, early uh, October when we'll have less sunlight. (laughs) I would like to be generating electricity before the sun goes away for the winter. But, you know, that's... (laughs) Uh, suddenly that that hundred and that hundred fifty ish or whatever the zero payments for a year will come in handy because I'll you know I, I'm looking forward to having my electric bills go down from having the solar on there, but I also would like to you know be generating some power. <laughs> uh, speaking of the winter, was I speaking of the kind of speaking of the winter? Um. We've gone, we're, we're getting ready. And I say getting ready of, I've been having to do some work in the garden because the, you know, the summer, spring, summer garden was, was done. The cucumbers finished for the season. I went ahead and actually pulled out our green beans, mostly because in the summer it was just too damn hot. They weren't producing. They never really got super big. And we got, you know, a, a handful of green beans and I, Probably if we had plotted them out better and maybe planted them earlier in the year or something, we would have probably gotten more out of them. I think with the summer heat, they just were getting a little too fried, which happens to most of the plants in the garden. You know, when you're dealing with it's 110, 115 degrees outside, plants don't really like that. And I did not shade any of the gardens this year, mostly because most of it was dead and done for the season before the summer really got hot. So I didn't need to so much worry about it. The last thing I really had was the sage and the green beans. And again, the green beans just kind of stalled out. And so I was like, eh. And we didn't really like where they were in the garden anyway. So we were kind of probably going to plant them somewhere else and just start new. And I don't remember if I mentioned this, but our sage bushes really it was just one big ass bush that took over an entire wine barrel. But our sage had gotten ravaged by uh, moths 
and I had tried to cut out all of the dead that, you know, the moths had eaten up and ripped up. And I thought I got all of that out and took all of the, you know, caterpillar stuff and all this, everything out. But nope, not so lucky. And it just all got ravaged. And so I just ripped it all out. And they'd actually, I think I'm, I could have swore I mentioned before it though, that the, caterpillars and the moths had also in their damaging of the sage had also gotten into the strawberries and yes i know because i mentioned our little uh mantis that i had moved into the strawberries and has been doing a very good job in strawberries at keeping the moth issue down the strawberries are thriving again and aren't all eaten up by moths and i'm seeing a lot of nice growth in the strawberries but at this point, that's actually the only thing we have growing that is kind of hung on. <laughs> the strawberry barrel is doing very well. In the summer, again, it pretty much just kind of stalls out. I've got some new growth, but it's not fruiting anymore. It's just too damn hot. And so it's just kind of doing that. It's growing some new leaf, leaf, what the fuck? It's, there's some new foliage. There's, it's, it's getting a little bigger, but it's not fruiting right now, which is fine again, cause it's fucking summer. It's hot as hell. It didn't really produce a lot before. Anyway, I'm imagining probably once uh, late October rolls around into November, we'll probably get another wave of strawberries, which will be nice. It'd be nice to see some nice big strawberries like we got in the spring. But in the meantime, since I pulled all the sage out and I had pulled all of the tomatoes out earlier in the year, I had two empty wine barrels. Okay, not empty. They were full of dirt. But I had two barrel beds empty. And we've been thinking about putting some more flowers, some more pollinators, just to kind of attract bees because we are so, you know, important. Bees are important when you have a vegetable garden. And, well, any kind of garden, but especially when you have a vegetable garden, bees are very important. And so we decided, hey, we need to get some more flowers in here. So we decided to take the barrels that we had empty, which sat on either corner of the yard, and plant roses. And so now I have a rose bush in each corner of my yard, which, again, in the summer, don't do so hot. <laughs> It You actually do have to go and grow very specific varieties of roses in the Phoenix area because most varieties of roses, and there's a lot, can't actually handle triple digits. <laughs> Much like the knowledge we've gained growing tomatoes, tomatoes can't handle triple digits. You can fry your tomatoes. But you know, once once you're over like 90... Your tomatoes don't want to be tomatoes anymore. They want to be toast. Well, roses don't do particularly well in triple digits either. Well, again, most plants don't. It's hot. They get crispy. And even when your roses are blooming, the petals get crispy because it's fucking hot. And so you have to have some heat tolerant varieties. And there are a lot. And I've got two different varieties. I've got one that's kind of a white peach rose and another that is a pink rose I believe I gotta remember which I don't remember I think it is actually a bright red it's just very pink right now because of the transplanting and the heat and all that stuff 
it's one of those things with roses. Roses are, I say they're tricky, but when I was a kid, we had no problem growing roses. We grew roses in what should have been terrible soil for roses, but we did it and we didn't have any trouble growing very large rose bushes. And I hope that our roses as we have them get to be very large where I don't have to shade them. As of right now, I have to shade my roses because they were burning. (laughs) They are growing and I'm seeing new growth and I'm very happy with my roses right now. But it's also August or September, whatever time it is. (laughs) It's September in Phoenix and it's hot as fuck outside. So they need to be shaded, especially because I just have some areas of the yard to get way more intense sun at different times of day. But I'm seeing growth. I I didn't kill my roses yet. I'm, I'm super happy to have roses. However, whatever amount of growth I get out of them. And I need to, you know, start worrying about more flowers. And we've got, I've got a whole bed that we've devoted to. This is just going to be a flower bed that I haven't put shit in for a while because every time nothing lasts very long in that bed, I need to, I think it's because it's the only one that didn't have an automatic uh, watering line on it. But I need more flowers. I need to put like, I just, I just need more flowers. And I want to get some more herbs and try herbs again because we haven't, other than the sage, and for a while we had really good basil going, we haven't had a lot of herbs. But I know this weekend, by this weekend, I need probably tomorrow, realistically. I need to get out there and start planting our fall garden because September snuck up on us. We were supposed to be planting stuff in like the first week of September. And here we are, middle of September, and I'm starting to run into a, uh, it's getting late in the season to plant this although it's still hot as balls. So I don't see why I can't. But I think we're going with, we're going to try popcorn again. I'm going to grow a fuck ton of popcorn. And because this time our plan for the popcorn is to grow enough to actually sell some, whether we sell it as seed or we sell whole cobs, whatever we could do. But the goal right now is actually to produce enough popcorn uh, ears to actually sell it. So we'll actually be to really be on making sure it gets pollinated well and all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to be doing a lot with a popcorn this year. Uh, I know I talked a lot about carrots last winter or in the spring. I'm thoroughly planning. Like right now we have a bed that we have designed or designed, decided we're going to have carrots, celery, and lettuce in this bed. And we know in the past, this was where my lettuce bed was in the past and did great with lettuce in the past. So right now the goal is plant carrots, lettuce, celery. I think I actually have the seeds for all of those. So I need to plant all those and get those started, get all the corn started. And I don't remember if we're going to do more green beans or not. Uh, We're going to do cucumbers because the cucumbers have always been a great uh, producer for us. We've just I think the only reason we didn't get as much out of it in the last season, and we did so much in the last fall. Last fall, we got so many cucumbers. And I think this time, I just it got so overgrown and it was fighting for space with the pumpkins. And so I think this time, I know we're doing the cucumbers. There's something else we want to put in that bed, and I'm blanking out what it is. But I, I still want to do, oh, that's what it is. I really want to do potatoes. I, I have, you know, committed to 
Last year, I experimented with potatoes. This year, I want to do potatoes. I thoroughly plan to do potatoes. And I know I've wanted to do peanuts as well, but I don't know if I have the garden space to do peanuts this time of year or this time around just because of everything else we're growing. But we're going to look. I, I really want to do peanuts because I like peanuts. I, I think the peanuts are like popcorn. It takes fucking forever to grow them. Garlic is the same way. That's what else. I need to get my garlic going because I plan on scattering garlic throughout the yard because it's one, it's a pest deterrent too. It's fucking garlic. You can use it for everything. And so I have my garlic bulbs prepped to plant. So I just need to kind of get those going. But I'm, I'm really my big ones this year. I, that carrot, celery, lettuce bed, not to have a ton of lettuce, really don't plan to have a ton of lettuce because we had so much more than we ever could have used last time. But I really want to commit to carrots, really want to commit to the celery. Not so huge on the celery, but the fact that it does apparently grow really well here in the winter. So I would like to grow my own carrots and celery and the lettuce did well last year. And I really want to get some potatoes, really want potatoes. That's just a thing. Fucking potatoes because they're potatoes. That's really it. I mean, they're carrots, carrots, celery, lettuce, potatoes. Shit. Who, what, why, why could you, how would you argue that? That's, that's a great garden. I think Rihanna wants to do some more tomatoes. I just don't know if we're going to have the space or how we're going to do tomatoes, especially since the spot that tomatoes used to be in is now occupied by roses and I'm not moving the roses, but I got to double check. I got to look and see because I don't remember exactly what I think I might be doing the corn on one side of the bed and the potatoes on the other side of the bed when it's potato season because I got to wait a little bit. Potatoes aren't ready yet and I still have to prep. I need to actually, <laughs> I need to go buy potatoes for seed potato because it's nearly impossible when you try and buy seed potatoes. It's just damn hard at this point. I, I'm really just going to do it like I did last year where and it that worked that grew my potatoes was I bought a bag of organic potatoes and stuck them in the ground. Because if you, if you don't know, um, grocery store potatoes, when you buy them, are treated with an anti-sprouting agent. They spray it with a chemical that keeps them from sprouting. It's supposed to anyway. Well, if you plant those, theoretically, they shouldn't grow because they won't make sprouts. Organic potatoes, generally, aren't treated with an anti-sprouting agent, so you can buy organic potatoes in the store, and you should, big should, should be able to sprout them and be able to get them to grow. That's my goal. My goal, that's the idea. Get some organic potatoes, plant some organic potatoes, not because they're organic, but because they'll actually grow and grow some potatoes because fucking potatoes. <laughs> that's it. Uh, garden talk. Am I right? <laughs> oh, what else we got going? That's been a big one is getting ready for the garden, but I've had so much other stuff going on and so work, garden, everything. And the weather, you know, when it is a hundred something degrees outside, it really makes it rough getting out there and doing the yard work sometimes. And I actually want to call back to, I think the last time I talked to you, I had just trimmed my mesquite out in the front yard, right? For the second time in the summer. Well, last week, 
I had to do it again. Yeah. Basically, I've had to trim my mesquite in my front yard once a month, every month this summer, because it was just growing like a fucking weed because of the monsoons. And this time we actually got a notice from the HOA, which is why I had to trim it. In the past, I looked at it and it was like, hey, this is getting kind of overgrown. I think I need to trim this back before we get a notice from the HOA. And in both of those cases, it had grown so far and it wasn't, it's not especially tall. And so it had grown and basically was completely blocking. You couldn't walk down the sidewalk. You had to walk around our house. You couldn't walk down the sidewalk in front of our house because this mesquite was overgrown across the sidewalk. You know, maybe if you're a small child, you might be able to duck under the branches, but an adult's not getting over it or under it or whatever. So I trimmed all that back. This time, it was probably teenager height. My boys could walk under the branches, but they did, in fact, reach over the sidewalk. There was more of a reaching, arching, making more of a like a tunnel, a shade over the sidewalk, not so much blocking it. You could walk past the house. There just happened to be mesquite that extended over the sidewalk. This is what we get an HOA notice for. Not when it was full on blocking the sidewalk. You can't go down the sidewalk in front of the house because of the mesquite. No, it was just when it was shading the sidewalk that I get a notice from the HOA because fucking HOAs. So I trimmed it and I trimmed it way back. I took almost like all of the branches that were on that side, anything that the larger branches that were creating small shoots and small branches that would eventually grow over the sidewalk. Basically, anything that would grow in the direction of the sidewalk, I cut back. I made large branches. I made major cuts to trim back any growth on that side. The thing is, and the Facebook group for our neighborhood started pointing out a lot of people were getting these HOA notifications for the mesquite. The mesquite that was installed by the builder and is part of our HOA agreement, we have to have it. These mesquites will be bigger than our homes. They installed a tree in the front yard of all these homes. These front yards, which are tiny, our HOA agreement requires certain plants have to be in the yard. Again, we don't have large front yards. They're you know, not a useful yard. It's not a, you can go play with your kids in the front yard. No, these are just there for display. And the amount of trees and plants and shrubs we have to have are ridiculous. But the fact that they installed mesquite to occupy one of these tree requirements, completely ignoring the fact that Mesquite grows very quickly and will eventually have a 40-foot canopy. Mesquite get very large. And when the mesquite that is in my, in, in 10 years, which is not unheard of, if by the time I pay off my house, provided we stay in this house for the full term, by the time I would pay off my mortgage on my home, 
there will not be room in my front yard for the mesquite that is in my front yard. That the trunk on that thing will be about the size of a barrel, and that tree will take over my entire front of my house. I wouldn't be able to look out my front office window because of that tree. As it is right now, I can barely look out that window because of that tree. That tree will be shading my solar panels in 10 years. And they expect any of us in this neighborhood to maintain these trees. I know there were a handful of neighbors who, after getting their HOA notifications about their trees being overgrown or growing, covering up the sidewalk, just took a chainsaw to them. They just went and said, fuck it. I, this tree is going to be an HOA nightmare. So, hey, HOA, I'm taking the tree out. And if you have a problem with it, find a better tree. And not to shit on mesquite. I like mesquite. It makes for great, you know, it's great for barbecues. It's great for a lot of things. It smells nice. You have the right variety of mesquite. You get these little uh, bean pods that are great as a tea. Lots of medicinal uses for mesquite. As a decorative plant in a very small front yard area, it's a terrible idea for a tree. Somebody, we need a ficus. <laughs> or not to have to have a tree in front of my house. I understand. It's like the HRA first rule, you must have a tree in your front yard. Not if you don't have a yard that actually can capacitate a tree. I can't even put something functional in front of my house. I can't know like, oh, you, I, if I wanted to, I couldn't put like an orange tree in my front yard, which again would have a canopy bigger than my house. But oranges grow up, mesquite grow out, and citrus grows very slow. <laughs> in in ten years. An orange tree, if I planted an orange that's like the size of the lemon tree we got. We have a small lemon tree in our backyard that we planted when we got the grass done. That tree was originally about three and a half, four foot tall. Now it's about five feet tall with pruning and stuff. And the trunk went from, you know, maybe an inch, two inches, inch and a half in diameter too. Now it's about two inches in diameter. And if I prune it correctly, it's still only about four, four and a half feet tall. Still pretty scraggly. It's a little, maybe three. I think when we got it, they said it was a three-year-old tree. It will be probably 20 years before that tree is of any substantial size. Citrus grows slowly. Mesquite grows like a weed. I would not have to trim if I, if I had a citrus of, if I had a lemon tree or an orange tree in the front yard that was as tall as that mesquite is, that would probably be a 20 year old tree. Realistically, this is probably a three or four year old tree that can block the entire front of my house. So yeah, very different trees. I think sit. Okay, I'll say an orange tree would look horrendous in front of my house. But it's a better tree option than a mesquite. All that said, I hadn't actually processed down the wood from the last time. 
I had to trim the tree back in July. Because remember, when we came back from vacation in July, I had to trim the tree again after I just trimmed it in June. So in July, I trimmed the tree and cut it way back and had this huge pile of mesquite branches in on the side of my house drying out so that I could run them through the wood chipper. I still hadn't run those through the wood chipper. And so when I had to go and trim it again, because, oh, in three days, you're going to have a fine from the HOA because HOAs are dicks. I had to go and process down all of that wood first. And I had like a three foot pile of mesquite branches on the side of my house, like three foot tall pile of mesquite branches. I had to process all of that down and grind all that down before I could trim the one in the front just because I needed the space. Which, from a gardening perspective, great. I need mulch. (laughs) But this produced, I think I got about, I don't want to say full 20 gallons. I think it was probably more like 17 gallons, 16, 17 gallons of mesquite wood chips. That's not counting all of the leafy material since, you know, that was all stacked up. Well, it still had leaves on the branches. Well, when I stacked it up, all those leaves fell off. (laughs) So I had that three foot pile and all of the leaves for that pile which probably was another four or five gallons worth of material that I shredded. And then probably another two foot pile of branches that I have on the side of the house. Now, all of that filling my dumpster and all of those wood chips. And now I'm mulching. I'm using them for mulch. The roses are now packed with mesquite chips. The long garden beds for everything I'm about to plant are they have some wood chips in them I'm going but I'm going to mulch all of those with this wood chip and mulch it all probably with the rest of the stuff which I eh, it's only been like a week and a half since I cut all that stuff down so I'll probably give it another week at least to dry out before I run it but I got all this stuff all these mesquite chips to run down and I've got a bunch of because some of the branches were pretty big. I've got branches that are too big to run through my wood chipper. So I've got a bunch of like mesquite logs on the side of the house too that I'm going to be using. Probably, I I'm, I really want to fire up the grill. I haven't used my grill or anything in the backyard in a long time. At all in the last year, realistically. And so I've got all these mesquite logs. I think I just want to throw them on there. And maybe just get a real low fire going and uh, use them for smoke and smoke, like get a brisket or something and smoke a brisket or smoke something with all this mesquite I've got on the side because I've got all these big mesquite. <laughs> I got some pretty chunky mesquite branches to that I, I can't grind them up. My, mes- my wood chipper is not made for that. It's a small branch wood chipper. I got, I got three and four inch uh, branches and logs that, no. Nah. It's like a one inch, one and a half inch (laughs) max, I think. So, yeah, I got to do something with all this. Again, probably got to smoke a brisket. 
gotta learn how to smoke a brisket. <laughs> never done it. I've never smoked meats of any kind. Just, you know, for somebody who's been cooking since I was seven, there's a lot of standard cooking things I've never done for messy reasons or complicated reasons or just never done it reasons like never smoked a brisket. Why? I've never had need to. And knowing that it's one of those things that takes hours and hours and hours and hours, I just don't have the patience for it. But it was kind of the same way with learning deep frying. I never did any deep frying because I didn't have the tools necessary to really deep fry anything until we got cast iron cookware and things like that. I could start learning deep frying stuff. And now rather than, you know, I had recipes for, oh, here's a recipe for baked uh, chicken nuggets and like shake and bake type stuff, you know, and here's a recipe for uh, mini corn dogs in the air fryer. And then realizing that is actually faster and produces better mini corn dogs if I just fill my cast iron pot with oil and do it the old fashioned way. Regular mini corn dogs taste better and cook faster than doing it the air fryer way or instant pot way. So now I'm deep frying food instead of cooking them the cheater way, you know, which is funny. You get the instant pot. It's like, oh, all these recipes and all these things you can do with an instant pot or with an air fryer and then end up reverting to the traditional way of deep frying them because it tastes better, cooks faster. I mean, I don't, you can talk about your baked, your shake and bake chicken or however you want. No amount of baked chicken will ever taste as good as something that was fried. <laughs> fried chicken tastes better, period. That's it. I did the laziest damn fried chicken strips tonight that the boys said were the best, some of the best fried chicken I've done. And I don't do bone-in fried chicken mostly because my wife has a thing about bone-in meat. She does not like bone-in, especially bone-in chicken. So it's always strips and, and stuff like that. But I did chicken strips tonight and I did the laziest fucking chicken strips ever. Normally. I'll, you know, make up, I'll do the, you know, the double dredge where you, if you've never done like a, a dredge for fried chicken of any type, the standard procedure is you dredge it and you dunk your chicken piece in flour, shake all that off. And that's basically to kind of dry it off. And then, so it's a three part dunk. You got flour, egg, flour. So you dunk it in your flour, shake it, shake it, shake it. So you get all the loose flour off. You dunk that in your egg wash, which is basically just eggs, like take an egg or two or however much you need and just a splash of water, scramble that up, egg wash, dunk that in your egg wash, drip, let that drip off a second and then throw that in to your seasoned flour, which is your actual crust breading or breadcrumbs or whatever you're using for your, bread, your breading, but your seasoned flour with all your spices and all the whatever in there, or you go with the you season it under the, oh, there's, there's lots of methods for where you put your seasonings. I season my flour. I also season the egg wash and I season the initial dredge to put seasoning into every layer because some of it's going to burn. Some of it's not, some of it's going to rinse off. Some of it's not, but you know, I, I didn't do that today. I went with the laziest fucking fried chicken I could. I just took, and if you want to I'll say this, 
you don't even need me to give you this recipe. This is just a, if you can't do this from memory, then you probably aren't going to try. All I did, I took, I had two chicken breasts. I sliced them thin, cut them into strips, you know, but whatever size chicken strips you want to do. And made an egg wash, one egg, scramble, scramble, splash of water, just, you know, took a fork, beat it up through a splash of salt in there just to season the egg mix. And I had another bowl and I basically, I took all the chicken after I cut all the chicken and threw it all into the egg and just mixed it all up. So everything was coated in egg. Notice I did not pre-dredge this in flour. I just cut my strips and any little scraps or whatever, threw it all in there. Everything went into the eggs, mixed everything. Everything's coated in egg. Then I had another bowl, threw in maybe a cup, cup and a half of Italian style breadcrumbs. That's it. Just had a can of Italian breadcrumbs. Threw that in there and just one at a time. And this was probably the, this is, I've learned frying chicken is more processed than recipe. But basically one at a time, took each strip out of the eggs, kind of shook it off a little bit so it wasn't a mess. Taught, threw it in the bowl with the breadcrumbs, tossed it around so it was covered, took it out, set it on the on the plate. That's it. And individually tossed each one just so they were coated. That's it. Threw the, you know, got them all nice and breaded, got rid of the west, and threw it in the cast iron pot with, you know, fried them up in my cast iron pot. I just use canola oil. I realize there's so many better oils for frying shit, but I can buy a gallon of canola oil and it's not fucking expensive. Peanut oil is expensive. Um, but yeah, just threw a fried it thing. It was like 350. I have my little frying thermometer and fried it up at 350. It only takes like two, three minutes. You know, I'd carefully put uh, two or three, depending on how big they were, uh, two or three strips any oil and I didn't even have the oil particularly deep because I didn't want it to foam up which is a big difference if you're using if I were using like flour and made a full season breading myself flour foams up a lot if you're deep frying something with the flour on it because I was using breadcrumbs doesn't foam up a lot and so I've just got again all I did was throw it in the egg wash and toss it in Italian breadcrumbs and fry it up like that. And the coating stuck, was solid, and everybody loved it. Everybody was saying, man, this is some of the best fried chicken you've made. And I've made it a few times with a pretty heavy, crunchy uh, breading before. Because I'm personally, I'm partial to the extra crispy crust on at KFC. I like the extra crispy. This is not extra crispy. This is a very thin coated fried chicken, but you know what? Everybody loved it. And it was the laziest fucking fried chicken ever. It took me maybe 15 minutes to actually fry everything up once it was on there. So yeah, if you, if you've got like a cast iron pot or you might even be able to do that with a cast iron skillet. If you just, if it's a little on, you know, puts maybe if you got like an inch of oil space, you can put in there. And throw them in there. You might have to flip them over, but heat it up, medium high heat. You know, go that way if you can flip it over. More like a, 
It's the same kind of method for doing like a chicken parmesan, which is actually what my initial plan for dinner was. I was going to make a chicken parmesan and I just looked at the clock and I was like, I don't have time to make a chicken parm before I got to go to work, (laughs) but I can make fried chicken strips and real fast. Again, that's why I did the lazy fried chicken just to see how fast I could do it because I wanted to come up with a faster way because I've gotten so into these really long methodical technical methods of okay, I'm going to make fried chicken. Well, I've got to do this and I've got to dredge it and then egg it and then and then bread it and it's got to sit and rest so that you know, the crust sets and all of this stuff and all this again, fried chicken is so method. It is all method and very little substance because It's not a lot to it. You don't really need 11 herbs and spices. The process of making fried chicken is where fried chicken is made. That's just it. I think that's why my mom has failed to make fried chicken successfully to her to an adequate level forever. My mom has never been particularly great with making fried chicken. She will say that she's been trying not to say she hasn't been trying. She's gone. She's been using an electric skillet to make fried chicken forever. And it's just never been what she's wanted out of it. It's never been, you know, she's never had a fried chicken recipe turn out like it's perfectly acceptable. She makes perfectly acceptable fried chicken, but she's never been totally happy with how it turns out. And I, you know, lazied the shit out of these chicken strips. But you know what? They came out pretty good. Deep frying wins. Sorry. (laughs) Deep, Deep frying wins compared to pan frying for fried chicken personally. But yeah, there's that stovetop, some gravy. It takes about 15, 20 minutes to cook everything up. And yeah, it's just good. So if you're curious about anything else, again, I'm not even going to bother writing this recipe down because it's literally just beat an egg, cover the chicken in egg, and toss them in some Italian breadcrumbs. Yeah, lazy as shit. I didn't do anything else. Egg, salt, breadcrumbs. That's it. Again, it's the Italian breadcrumbs, but I didn't season it. I didn't do anything else to it. I was fucking lazy. I didn't have time for that shit. (laughs) Fry it up, throw it in a pot of oil, throw it in a pan of oil, however you want to do it. You could probably honestly bake them. You probably could. You probably could just go with a, this is your shake and bake. (laughs) But fry them up at 350, eh, three to five minutes or until golden brown and, and cooked all the way through. I do not have the means in a podcast format to explain the audible way to know when chicken is done frying. I just can't. It is something where if I were on a YouTube video or something like that, and I had a microphone that I could sit there and hold up to the chicken the entire time it's cooking so you could hear when it's done. When you've cooked fried chicken or fried anything, you can hear when it's done cooking. It's a thing. You can understand when you've fried food for any substantial amount of time, you learn this. But all I can tell you is you cook it till it's done. (laughs) And again, I served it with like, I I made stovetop. Why? Because I have learned in all of the years of making stuffing that when I do make stuffing, stovetop is better. And the, the recipe for stuffing is super simple. I don't have one, but. You know, when it's basically onion, celery, maybe carrots, but, you know, it's chicken broth, onion, celery, some dill, maybe some other herbs, garlic, stuff like that with bread. 
you have to get all of your vegetables diced super small and you have to get your bread super small, but not breadcrumbs. So it's really tricky getting like a stovetop level stuffing consistency from scratch. I gave up on it. (laughs) I can't do it. I'm just going to buy stovetop. I like that flavor anyway. But yeah, what else have I got going on? We've, we've had stuff happening. Okay. Before I go, do I want to talk about Hamilton? My wife and I went to see Hamilton. They had Hamilton. It was, is, I don't know when the last show is, uh, currently was playing at the theater at ASU Gamage out here, which is our big kind of theater. And so as a, she's been bugging me forever. And I think the last time, I think they were supposed to be out here last year and then COVID happened. And so they postponed the tour. And so tickets came up again. She was like, Hey, can we go to Hamilton? I'm like, you know what? Fine. You know, when she was asking me originally, when she was nagging me before the wants to see Hamilton, wants to see Hamilton. It was before the Disney plus movie release of Hamilton had come out. I, and at that, that point, all I knew about Hamilton was it was a musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton and it was a big hip hip hop thing and it was this big cultural revolution and everybody wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. And I was so turned off to the idea of watching this play, musical, performance, thing, whatever. I was so just turned off by the idea of it because everybody was saying how great it was and I'm just like shut up I don't care fuck off and so like it, but my wife loves it and she loves Broadway musicals and so she really loved it and then she had been playing the music and the soundtrack on Spotify and stuff for the boys and got the boys all interested in it especially since one of our boys names is Alexander so he really loves that. <laughs> he really loves Hamilton. But she got them all on board with Hamilton and they would always fucking talk about Hamilton. It doesn't help my case. My wife is a history nerd. So she's a history nerd and a musical nerd. So she really wanted, she Hamilton was right up her alley. So she was all up on Hamilton and it's like, oh no, we need to see Hamilton. Let me see Hamilton. And then a Disney release came out. And they watched it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And by merit of they were watching it over and over and over again. And I was home at any given time. I saw it. And so I sat there and watched it. And my wife had like, and I'd heard some of the music before. I was like, okay, this is not bad. And so I sat and I actually watched it and I, I got to appreciate it. And it is a good show. It's good music and the execution and the way the, the the acting and the characters and the way they play off each other and a lot of the the emotional points it is a very well executed show and you know historical accuracy inaccuracy whatever aside whatever you think of it because i know there's like creative liberties taken because it's a broadway musical not a documentary <laughs> so it's you know it's it's worth 
learning the story and learning some of the history and all that stuff. But that aside, it's just a very entertaining show worth a watch. But this time, now having an appreciation and knowing the story and knowing the music and like, you know what? I want to see this. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Let's go see Hamilton. I know we... I agreed. She said, can we go, please? I'm like, you know what? Sure. We can go. She didn't believe me when I said yes, because I've been saying no, I don't want to see this for so long. But well, I said yes. And she's like, really? Like, yes. Like, at this point, I know the tickets are expensive, but whatever. I know you want to see it. You know what? I'm, I'm fine going to see it too, because I think it'd be in, nice to see it in person rather than just on TV. And come to find out, it, it was like almost $400 for the tickets, <laughs> something like that, like 350 somewhere like that. But it's something she wanted. And it was a gr- it was a great show, I will say. And it was kind of funny because as you do, we were making, a, we were comparing the touring cast that we saw with the original Broadway cast that you see if you watch it on Disney Plus. And, you know, it's not Lin-Manuel Miranda and everybody else that I can't remember anybody's fucking, uh, Chris Jackson, I think is, is George Washington. And I personally, uh, Washington is hands down my favorite character in the entire play and entire thing. I, I like all of the George Washington songs. I like all of the scenes he is in. Those are very big, powerful, emotional moments. There's a lot of really big energy every time Washington is on stage, whether it's in the Disney version or when we saw it, I, I wish I had the playbill in front of me to pull up this guy's name, but the only way I can describe the guy who is playing George Washington in the touring company that we saw is he is like a giant young James Earl Jones. He has a voice that just knocks you back in your seat. And when he comes on stage as George Washington, he commands that stage. He's got the gravitas of that George Washington as a role in the play. The role commands respect in the play. He's presented commanding respect. Not like, you know, insisting upon it, but you look at George Washington in the confines of this show is a character that just he's there and boom <laughs> and there's so many scenes where that's they're, they're doing that but he's there and he's got the presence he even though it's it's his hamilton the musical i don't care when washington is on stage washington takes control of everything and Hamilton is kind of eh, whatever the fuck. And he's kind of a side character in his own story when Washington is in the scene. And this guy, when he came on stage and starts singing for the first time, he just knocks you back in your seat with his the power in his voice and his presence on the stage. And I'm just like 
damn, this guy just has it. And damn it, I wish I had his name in front of me. But this guy, ah, uh, I, I would go back and watch this guy again. I, I want to see, I wish I had a, I, I need to look up a clip, see if somebody's like pirate DVD or pirated and recorded, you know, cause you're not supposed to shoot video or photos in the theater. I want to find a video of this guy singing because just to share because this, oh man. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm not a theater nerd. I don't geek out about this kind of stuff. And my wife was, you know, she stands to this, you know, her favorite character is Aaron Burr. Not so much because Aaron Burr, but because of uh, Leslie Odom Jr. And all of her favorite songs in the musical are Burr solo songs for the most part. And Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance of those songs is she's like, nobody's done it better. She's seen a few different people that have done it. Nobody's done it better than he does it on stage. I'm like, valid. And I, we both agree that in this particular performance that we saw, both uh, the actor for Hamilton and for Aaron Burr were kind of low energy. And Washington and the guy that played uh, General Lafayette, and he also plays... Uh, Thomas Jefferson, which is both of these roles or both of these characters and actors. Um, these are, these are high energy commanding performances like, uh, Lafayette and, and Jefferson, both very big, loud, fun characters, the way they're presented and all the fun songs, all the fun songs go to him <laughs> and Washington commands the stage and Hamilton is filler <laughs> in his own show, but excellent, excellent, excellent performance. I go back again, even with the cost, I'd go back and see it again, mostly to just sit there and like just soak in the gravitas of this George Washington on stage because holy crap. But yeah, <laughs> and it's really weird for me to be so excited about going to see a, sh a play at the the theater. It's weird. I it's a weird concept for me. I've never been one to be particularly interested in the theater, but this show, especially this performance, was amazing. And I've I told my wife I'd be willing for us to go and see more shows. Like My Fair Lady, it's My Fair Lady. Everybody knows this. Uh, My Fair Lady is going to be out here in December. She's looking, she wants to go to see Hadestown and it won a shit ton of Tony Awards and things like that. And she saw a performance of one of the songs from Hadestown during the Tony Awards last year and fell in love with this show. And so she, I think it's going to be next summer, but Hadestown is supposed to be out here. And so... I think maybe we'll try and go to see that. I don't know. And it's, it's much less about me being so interested in like, oh, I'm, I'm a theater person now and I want to go to the theater. But it's more of this is something she really enjoys. And at least 
to a certain degree, there are shows that I wouldn't mind seeing. And hey, I'm a music guy. I love music. And if the music is solid, that's that's what got me hooked on Hamilton. Ultimately, is that the music was solid and the performances got an emotional response from me. That the way it's presented, there is a, a certain emotional response that you get from the music. And that's what got me kind of on board with Hamilton. And I'm willing to give my wife the benefit of the doubt that there will equally be an emotional, you know, a strong emotional response from like, I'm not like I've seen My Fair Lady as the movie. I'm not going to be super emotional about My Fair Lady, but it is a solid musical. And I think the other big one is uh, Les Mis. That, yeah, I, I I was giving my wife crap because she was, you know, kind of having an emotional day and then put on Les Mis. And I'm like, so you wanted to cry? <laughs> really? Because this whole thing, the whole movie, the whole show, everything, the entire thing is just an emotional punch in the face. This whole story just repeatedly punches you in the face. And I'm a mess. Again, I'm a big emotional bitch. But I am a complete mess at the ending of Les Mis. Yet, she puts this on willingly. <laughs> like, really? Because I'm a complete wreck. And you like the musical stuff. But like, Again, only watched it because she made me, but, or more of a, she had the remote and she put this on and the option was sit and watch it or go in the other room and then get guilted for not spending time with her. So you know how that goes, but (laughs) I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the shows that she really wants to see. She wants to see Wicked. She wants to see Hadestown. My Fair Lady was more of a, hey, it's something I know. (laughs) but I don't remember if I told you we watched My Fair Lady the movie I think it was on Hulu or Netflix or Paramount Plus or something but we pulled it up one night one we only made it through the first half we made it to the intermission because holy fuck that's a long movie but my wife had never actually seen it uh like the movie and I told her about There's a certain resemblance. If you're familiar with My Fair Lady, the guy that she's working with in the story is Professor Higgins. And it has been pointed out many a time that the attitude that he presents and the general rudeness and kind of bluntness and assholery, (laughs) he's an asshole. He really is. He's very blunt and very forward, and he doesn't mince words, and he just says how it is, and he's kind of a dick about it. And he, to a certain degree, tortures this poor girl just by being an asshole. And (laughs) to be fair, there's a bet on the line, so of course he's going to be an asshole to get his way until he can win the bet. Nevertheless, um, a lot of his mannerisms and behaviors have been compared to 
standard operating procedure for just about every member of my family. <laughs> and we're like, we just laugh because we're like, this character was not just randomly named Professor Higgins. Somebody named him after a Higgins that they knew because that guy matches so many family members personalities. <laughs> and I'm sitting here as we're watching in the early parts of the movie and he's just being a complete dick to Eliza. And I'm laughing my ass off with how much of a dick he's being. It's so hilarious to me. And my wife is just sitting there looking at me, like realizing, yep, this tracks. He's 100% a Higgins. <laughs> and giving me so much shit for laughing so much at how much he mistreats this poor girl at the start. It's like, he's, he's a dick, but it's really funny the way he does it, just the bluntness of it. And she's just sitting there cringing at his behavior, and I am laughing my ass off. <laughs> I was like, all the shit he's saying, other than like you know some of the insults and directly being just rude, it's rude. But like the bluntness and the way he says shit, and I was like, yeah, that that tracks. I totally say the same shit. <laughs> like other than the insulting bits, it was really funny. <laughs> but yeah so again I don't hate musicals I like music so again my My Fair Lady has never been a big one for me I saw it in high school we watched half of it recently and eh, maybe we'll go see it I don't know but yeah gardens musical solar panels how the fuck did I put this show together oh yeah I didn't Way to go. Blow on the mic. Just blow out everybody's ears. Nope, that's what pop filters are for. But I've been talking for over an hour, and I just went on for entirely too long about the first half of My Fair Lady for no particular reason. But yeah, that's what happens when I'm. it's late, and I'm just, you know, pull my string. Here I go. <laughs> But I think that's going to do it because, again, we're over an hour and I, I've i got so much crap to talk about, but I'm, I'm going to leave it with, with musicals and solar panels and garden updates and hopefully I'll be able to shoot some video as I'm working in the garden this next time to maybe get some, some good footage and hopefully by the next episode, I will be able to verify and confirm that some, I've got some, some big news coming up. I just don't want to share it yet until it's a hundred percent verified and, you know, you know, checks in the mail type of thing. But I just want to, like, I, I really want to share it with you, but I want to make sure I want to, you know, a hundred percent be uh, on this stuff. Just, but I do want to just say it involves a voice acting role that personally I feel is way above where I'm at. But to be given the opportunity, to be given an opportunity of this magnitude is amazing. So I'm not going to jinx it. So I'm just going to take what I've got. But I, I have a voice acting role coming up that is awesome. 
and I will be sharing more about that as more as that situation develops. But in the meantime, if you're still listening, you can find me at Odd Dad Out on all the social medias, and of course, get all the back episodes at odddadoutpodcast.com where you can buy yourself an odd dead out shirt or hoodie or skateboard or stickers or whatever the hell you feel like or donate to the show via buy me a coffee or ko-fi or patreon or i don't remember if i have a paypal link up there whatever however you feel like supporting the show or if you don't want to monetarily do it just share the show with your friends on your social media places or, you know, just take their phone and subscribe them to the show and say, hey, listen to this weird asshole for whatever reason. But all those things. Ah, I'm rusty. Can you tell I'm rusty? I'm rusty and I'm tired. <laughs> so I'm going to get out of here. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Share it with people. Buy stuff if you want to. Or don't. I'm not your dad. Or am I? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, good. Uh, until next time, thank you and good night. <laughs>